0: Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson.
1: And this is Angie Danielson.
0: Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ.
1: Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to Knowing Him.
0: Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Angie. Welcome, Angie. Hi. I know that was sort of low-hanging fruit this week, using amazing when we're talking about I stand all amazed. But you are amazing. Uh, For those out there that don't know Angie, may not realize just how amazing she is. She's our primary president. She's our PTA president. She's the captain of her camp of the Daughters of the Utah Pioneers. She's homeschooled one or more of our children for five years she just never stops amazing me with all that she can do. So <laughs>
1: I don't feel very amazing. <laughs> well, you are,
0: and I think everyone that does know you would agree with me. So as I mentioned, today we're talking about hymn 193, I Stand All Amazed. Uh, this week's hymn is corresponding to the Come Follow Me reading in Luke 22 and John 18, in which we talk about the greatest act in human history, the atonement of Jesus Christ. So Angie, I'll turn it over to you to tell us more about this hymn.
1: Okay. So we have another hymn here that um, the writer of the text and the composer are the same person.
0: I don't know if that makes you lucky or if that makes your job harder. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little less information, I guess. (laughs) So Charles H. Gabriel wrote I Stand All Amazed. um, And he was born in 1856 in Iowa, died in 1932 in Hollywood, California. So... His father led singing schools in their home, which I thought was interesting. And I didn't delve too deeply looking into it, but it sounded like um, it was a program where they taught, um, what do they call it? Shape note singing.
0: Oh, yeah. We've talked about shape note singing before.
1: Remind our listeners what
0: that is. So this was a, uh, it's sort of a simplified way of reading music. So instead of round note heads, there were... There was like a triangle and a square and a diamond, and it helped you associate solfege syllables uh, with these shapes. And so if you saw a certain shape, you knew that was fa. If you saw a certain shape, you knew that was sol. And so you could learn the relationship between these notes, even if you didn't know what they were called. You could say, oh, I know that's fa, that's so, this is re, this is me, and you could sing the song easier. So that's Hmm. that's sort of what this was. yeah, it, it's a just a different style of reading music, but it usually came with a certain style of singing as well. Uh, it was a much more what we would consider a raw sound, uh, not necessarily refined and classically trained. Uh, and so I, I would be curious what these singing schools were like.
1: Yeah, me too. I'd have, we'll have to read up some more about them, um, but they, uh, I guess. Sometimes they would go around travel, you know, mm. to different towns and then I guess stay Maybe there for a while and then these go somewhere. S-
0: singing else. sessions.
1: Yeah. Um, but Charles Gabriel was pretty much self-taught. He taught himself to play the family's reed organ. Mm. And um, when I looked up reed organ, it showed a pump organ. Um, but all, another kind of reed organ is like the harmonium, and I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of like in a box, yeah. and you unpack it. and <laughs> um, Jeremiah and I were just looking up a video of that this week <laughs> during homeschool.
0: Yeah, so instead of a pipe organ where the air is going through pipes, there are reeds that are sort of connected to the box itself, mm-hmm. and so the air is going through the reeds to play the music. So, so I don't
1: know if they had a big... One Or if they had, like, a little harmonium, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, if it said reed organ, my guess is it was probably the, a... The pump one. The pump organ, yeah. But the, the reeds would have... You know, it would give sort of a similar sound to an accordion or something like that, because that functions with air going through reeds as yeah. well.
1: So, anyway, he taught himself how to play, and he taught himself how to write down music, and mm-hmm. um, his mother encouraged him to write down his words and music after he's done with the farm work, because they lived on a farm. Um, <clears throat> she once told him, I would rather have you write a song that will help somebody than see you President of the United States. No, oh, wow. Well, I thought that was nice. <laughs> um, and he started to travel and lead his own shape note singing schools at the age of 17. So, I that was
0: I- he had seventeen years of experience by that point. That's
1: right. <laughs> so I thought this was an interesting story. Um, it says it's a folklore story, so maybe it's not one hundred percent true. <laughs> the tall tale
0: of Charles Gabriel. <laughs> That's
1: right. It says there's one folklore story that the pastor of the first Presbyterian Church of Wilton once saw Gabriel walking in town early in the week. He asked Gabriel if he knew a good song to go along with his sermon. The pastor shared the sermon topic, and by the end of the week, the boy had written a song for that Sunday, Words and Music. The Reverend N.A. McAuley, McAuley was a pastor at the Wilton Church for many years, and it is also said that young Gabriel wrote the music for one of his songs. The song, How Could It Be?, was later published in Songs for Service, edited by Gabriel, with the music being credited to Charles H. March Marsh. Possibly one of Gabriel's pseudonyms, which hmm. he had quite a few of.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't think this was that big of a folklore story. Like he told him at the beginning of the week to write a s- song, and then by the end of the week it was done. I, I thought it would be more like one day or something, <laughs> or like in the morning by, on by Sunday. The end of the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Doesn't seem as exaggerated as folklore. Um, often is. My guess
0: is it's just called folklore because they don't
1: know if it's true. Don't
0: have. Verification that everything in the story is true. Yeah. That's what I would guess.
1: Um, but he did go by many different pseudonyms, which I thought was interesting. So I have a list of some of them here Charlotte G. Homer, H. A. Henry, S. B. Jackson, C. D. Emerson, and Jenny Ree. Interesting. Yeah, interesting that some of them are women. Yeah, because you
0: usually hear about women yeah. taking on men's pseudonyms so they could get published or something. Yeah. But you don't usually hear it the other way.
1: So I wonder what the story, I don't know the story behind those. That's, it would be interesting to find that out. Um, so he wrote between 7,000 and 8,000 hymns, Ooh. which <laughs> I don't know how you do that. That just seems incredible. You just <laughs> incredible keep amount. Um he was the music director at Grace Methodist Episcopal Church in San Francisco, and there he wrote his first commercial song um, called Send the Light, so the first song that was published and, you know, got, mm-hmm. he got money for. He considered his best work to be a sacred cantata, Saul, King of Israel, um, and one of his most popular pieces was a song, I liked this title, Brighten the Corner Where You Are. Right in the corner where you are. I thought that was good. Um, I forgot I was going to look up. I was going to read this list of books he edited, which is quite extensive.
0: Like music books or?
1: Yeah, music books. So it says... Um, Gabriel edited 35 gospel songbooks, 8 Sunday school songbooks, 7 books for male choruses, 6 books for ladies, 10 children's songbooks, 19 collections of anthems, 23 choir cantatas, 41 Christmas cantatas, 10 children's cantatas, and books on musical instruction. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's impressive. Um, And he was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1982. So I thought that was, that was interesting as well. So um, our, like we said, our Come Follow Me um, for this week is Luke 22 and John 18. Um, and first of all, um, I stand all amazed as we have it in our hymn book. It was actually called Oh, It Is Wonderful, when Charles Gabriel wrote it, and he actually has another song that's called I Stand Amazed. Oh. And they're two different hymns. So I wanted to look at that. I wanted to read the words to that hymn first because I have kept coming across these different things about it, and, like, these aren't the right words.
0: <laughs> like, what is going on? So I Stand Amazed, not I Stand All Amazed yeah. is a different one.
1: Yeah, but it is by him. So there's I Stand Amazed, and then there's... Oh, it is wonderful, which we call I Stand All Amazed. Right. (laughs) So I Stand Amazed goes like this. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is is my Savior's love for me. So it has a little bit of similar, but the tune's totally different. I Mm -hmm. listened to it. Um, he took my sins and my sorrows he made them his very own he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone oh what kind of love is this who would die so I would live I stand amazed I stand amazed bore the curse of all my sins made your enemy your friend I stand amazed I stand amazed um, I'll skip through some of this there's quite a bit when with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Anyway, this is nice, nice words yeah. nice um, about yeah, the, like the Savior and the atonement. Um, but it was just interesting that he wrote two that were sort of similar to each other. <laughs> um So can you read the words to uh, I Stand All Amazed?
0: Yeah. I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified, that for me, a sinner, he suffered, he bled and died. I marvel that he would descend from his throne divine to rescue a soul so rebellious and proud as mine that he should extend his great love unto such as I, sufficient to own, to redeem, and to justify. I think of his hands, pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. Such mercy, such love and devotion can I forget? No, no, I will praise and adore the mercy seat, until at the glorified throne I kneel at his feet. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me, enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me.
1: Thanks. So what is it you like about this hymn?
0: I like the, well, first of all, the personal nature. Uh, And many of our hymns are like this, where it's sung sort of first person, um, talking about our feelings of the Savior. Um, uh, The chorus has always been one of my favorites. Uh, oh, it is wonderful that He would care for me enough to die for me, and that's a—that's something that we sometimes struggle with in this life. Am I even worth caring about? Could Jesus care about someone like me? I'm a sinner. I'm—I make mistakes. I've—I there's no way I can be worthy of this, mm-hmm. uh, and yet He continues to offer His grace to us. He continues, I mean, to this day, his atonement is in effect and we can be forgiven of things we've done wrong. I mean, sorry if I can get the book back there. The third verse, I think of his hands pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. Such mercy and love and devotion can I forget. And it was, it was for me. It was for every one of us individually not a collective human race thing. It was a very individual thing. And I think this hymn really reflects that.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, one time I went to BYU Education Week and I was um, in a class with Brad Wilcox. Um, he's a member of the Sunday School Presidency now, the General Sunday School Presidency, or Young Men's Presidency, sorry. Yeah. The Young Men General Presidency. Anyway... Um, but he said, he was talking about this hymn. He said, we don't normally use the word proffers anymore. So in the first verse, it says, confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me. He was like, what does that mean? And we all just kind of sat there like, we don't really know, you know? (laughs) Like, we don't really know what that means. And he said, it it means to hold out something to to someone for acceptance. Mm -hmm. It was like the Lord is offering You know his atonement to us, and he's like actually bringing it to us and like giving it to us and saying, "Here, take this." You know, it's not something where it's like, "There it is over there on the table. If you want it, you come get it." Type of thing. Like it's actually coming up to us and holding it out for us to take, which I thought was a beautiful imagery. You know.
0: Yeah, and again, that comes back to the individuality because it's something we each Each. have to do.
1: Each individually, he comes to each one of us yeah. and offers his atonement. It's and not
0: something we can collectively say. We now come to coll- to accept this. No, it yeah. has to be you individually saying, "I accept this. Yeah. I accept your atonement."
1: It's beautiful. I wanted to talk about some of the scriptures that go along with this, um, this hymn. Um, so. I wanted to read some of the ones that are in the Come Follow Me lesson, but then also the ones that are at the bottom of the hymn in our hymn book. So Luke 22, verses 41 to 44, kind of, I mean, it definitely goes along with this hymn, but it it really does go along with the other hymn that he wrote, I Stand Amazed. That one talks more about Jesus bleeding in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting because... um, A lot of people don't really believe that he actually sweat drops of blood, that that's just kind of like metaphorical or something. But um, Charles Gabriel wrote that hymn about that, that, you know, that he really did. Um, So verses 41 to 44, you want to read that?
0: Yeah. Uh, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father... If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Just this wording and picturing the Lord suffering for us. Yeah, and thinking about
0: the the pain and the agony. Um, I've heard stories of people that have had blood come out of their pores and it has been so painful that the agony killed them. Yeah. Because that is so painful, but because he has that divinity within him that he was half God.
1: He was able to withstand. He was able to
0: withstand the pain.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. Um, next one is one of the ones that goes with the, at the bottom of the the hymn, and this is one that we're all familiar with. John 15, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So this hymn is just full of like how much love Mm -hmm. Jesus has for each one of us individually. And he... He laid down his life for us because he loved us so much.
0: Speaking of of sort of the individuality, um, one of the questions in the Come Follow Me book um, focuses around verse 31 and 32 in Luke 22, um, which says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." The question in the manual says, How might Peter have felt to know that Jesus had prayed for him and his faith? I mean, what a what a statement. I have prayed for thee, Peter. To know that Jesus has prayed for him individually, I'm sure, is something that Peter took great comfort yeah. in. But if we think about the atonement, the prayer that he offered in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for us. He was praying for us, every single one of us. And yeah. so we can put our name in there. The Lord said, Steve, Steve, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not.
1: Yeah. it's good to put our name into the scriptures. It makes it more real. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that, that part there, I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. I think it's interesting also in Luke 22... That when they enter the garden, he tells his disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. And then at the end, after he's done, he says, why sleep ye? Rise and pray lest ye enter in tempta- into temptation. It's so important for us to continue to pray. And Jesus keeps emphasizing this. Turn to me. Let me help you. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Even though he's doing this great, marvelous thing, wonderful thing in the garden he is still thinking about his disciples and each one of us and saying pray yeah don't don't let your down your guard
1: yeah that's great thanks um i really like this um some of these verses in john 18 i mean the whole chapter is good but and this um this doesn't really go along with this, but it kind of like shows Jesus' character, I guess, which I really like. And it's when he's talking to Pilate. So I just wanted to read, um, starting in verse 33 of John 18. It says, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, "'Am I a Jew? "'Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. "'What hast thou done?' "'Jesus answered, "'My kingdom is not of this world. "'If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight "'that I should not be delivered to the Jews. "'But now my kingdom is my kingdom not from hence. "'Pilate therefore said unto him, "'Art thou a king then?' Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. I just really love how Jesus shows his... His character here—he stays poised and mm-hmm. cal- cal- calm and collected and, yeah. in this situation. And he knew what he was doing, and he wasn't afraid to do like like we said what he had to do for us. And he was willing to die, um, even though like Pilate said, "There's nothing wrong with this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find no fault in him." But. Jesus still knew that he would die. Um, I just have one more scripture, and it's the other one on the bottom of the page on the hymn, and it's in the Book of Mormon. There's so many amazing scriptures about the atonement in the Book of Mormon. It's such a blessing. (laughs) Um, Mosiah 3, if you want to read this one, 5 through 8. Messiah 3, verses 5 through 8. This is King Benjamin speaking.
0: For behold, the time cometh and is not far distant, that with power the Lord Omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men, and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay, and shall go forth amongst men, working mighty miracles such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to blind... (laughs) Sorry, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of diseases. And he shall cast out devils, or the evil spirits which dwell in the hearts of the children of men. And lo, he shall suffer temptation, and pain of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue, even more than man can suffer except to be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every pore; so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people." And he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, and his mother shall be called Mary.
1: So this, I, li- I like how this verse 7 makes it clear, you know, that that Jesus bled from every poor mm-hmm. and um, he suffered for um, everything that we experience in this life and He even suffered temptations and pains and hunger. He, like, lived a life like a human, like us, like the rest of us. And that he didn't give in to to those things that that we often give in to and (laughs) fall victim to to temptations and things. Um, So do you want to tell us about how this hymn was in our different hymn books? Sure.
0: So the... The song first appeared in a gospel book in 1899, so right at the end, very tail end of the 19th century, uh, made, it way, made its way into um, our church's hy- our song collection uh, in 1909, so about 10 years later, um, and it first entered the Deseret Sunday School Songs book. Uh That was published in nineteen o nine. I have a copy of it here. My copy is not in great shape. <laughs> um but the interesting thing about this hymn was uh, the way we have it today, the soprano and alto have sort of a duet at the beginning, and then the chorus comes in uh on the on the chorus uh, but that's not how it was done in in this printing, the tenor had the melody. So it would have been the tenor singing the melody, and then the women would have been singing sort of the alto line. um, Harmony. The harmony above that. Uh, So it sort of created a unique sound. Our ears are tuned to that upper pitch as the melody, but that's not where the melody is in this. Um, And so you have the tenor singing, I stand all amazed, and the altos would be singing, I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me. But they'd be higher than the tenors.
1: Yeah. The other day you were playing this on the piano and it just I couldn't even really tell where the melody was. I'm like, wait, this is the same song? Like, <laughs> couldn't really hear it. So yeah. I was listening for it in the higher part.
0: So another another difference is that on the chorus, uh, everyone starts, oh, it is wonderful than the sopranos and altos do, that he should care for me enough to die for me. And on care for me and die for me, the tenors and basses sing wonderful, wonderful, on on those two spots. Um, And it stayed that way through the 1948 publication of Mm -hmm. the hymn book. So that's sort of where it entered our, our hymn book. And it stayed that way, except now the soprano and alto had the duet. So they sort of made that change, put the melody up in soprano, Mm -hmm. but then kept this chorus with the tenor bass doing the wonderful, wonderful. Uh, And so some of our older listeners out there may remember doing it. In fact, you mentioned that your dad always sang it that way. Yeah.
1: So I think when they made this 1985 hymn book, people were just so used to singing that that they just kept doing it because I remember as a child, like... My dad and other men in the congregation singing that part below. So it's kind of funny because I never even thought about that it wasn't in the hymn book. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually in the 1985 hymn book, but it was in past ones. Yeah
0: you know? so in 1985 they gave they just had everybody singing the same thing. Yeah, uh, it sort of you know it sort of aids in the singing of the hymn with each new iteration. It made it easier to sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking the melody up to the soprano Puts it where our ears normally want to hear it Having everybody sing the same thing in the chorus Makes it easier for everyone to follow along But it changes the way the hymn is presented Yeah uh, So you sort of have to take your pick of, of what you like
1: I thought it was funny what Karen Lynn Davidson said at the end of this Um, She says each step of this musical revision has made the hymn easier to sing, although some Latter-day Saints, in agreement with J. Spencer Cornwall, may miss the more colorful effects of the original arrangement. <laughs> well, that was funny. So did it still stay with the men singing the melody all the way up till the
0: 1985? No. Uh, it, it was in the 1948 edition that they, the melody went up to oh, the okay. soprano. Yeah. Um, it, interesting, in the um, 1909 version where it was first published it was published under the title uh oh it is wonderful
1: yeah so that was the original yeah. name and i wonder why they changed it or i don't know
0: um for a while they were calling most of the hymns by their first line, line. yeah uh and then i think that sort of stuck
1: some of them stuck, and yeah. some of them went to a different name, yeah.
0: And some of them were called by their first line, and then 1985 version, they said, mm, let's give this a different name.
1: <laughs> yeah, which was also a different, difficult transition, because I remember my parents calling hymns different names than what they were in this hymn yeah. book, because they were so used to calling it that. Like Joseph called-
0: Smith's first prayer... It was often we, referred to as "Oh, oh how help. lovely is yeah. morning."
1: Yeah, and yeah. my parents always called it that. I don't know if they ever
0: changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but that's that's a common thing we see in hymns and hymn books. When we look up stuff online, we'll see it called by a different name, either the first line of the song or a topic that this goes with. You know, so it, it's not an uncommon thing to see hymns under different titles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So before we sing the hymn, I just wanted to share um, a little personal story. That um, This hymn was my mom's favorite hymn, and we sang it at her funeral. Um, But I think she loved this hymn so much because she often felt like maybe— As a child, she grew up in in a broken home, and she was very poor and was just kind of like this ragamuffin that, like, maybe wasn't worth anything. And she felt like um, Christ—she was amazed that Christ loved that little girl enough to die for her, you know, and that she was worth something. And she, would like— was amazing because she she went to church without her mom and dad, and she, like, was just a little kid, and she felt the spirit there. So she kept going, and she got baptized later when she was, like, 13 years old. Um, But she felt something there that she didn't feel anywhere else. She didn't feel in her home, and so she wanted that in her life, and she... Um, she always felt like that amazement and that wonder that this hymn um, exemplifies like that that Christ would would die for her and that she was important enough because she didn't always feel important enough for that but yeah so it's beautiful
0: well it's no secret where you get your amazingness from your mom (laughs) is pretty amazing All right, we're going to sing, I Stand All Amazed. I stand all
2: amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me, he was crucified, that for me, a sinner, he suffered, he bled and died. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful wonderful to me I marvel that he would descend from his throne divine to rescue a soul so rebellious and proud as mine that he should extend his great love unto such as i sufficient to own to redeem and to justify wonderful that he should care for me, enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. I think of his hands pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. Such mercy, such love and devotion can I forget. No, no, I will praise and adore at the mercy seat, until at the glorified throne I kneel at his feet. Wonderful that he should care for me enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful. Wonderful to me.
0: Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn. I stand all amazed. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or contact us through our website, knowinghim.weebly.com. We'd love to hear from you, what you think about the podcast, and about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to knowing Him. Test one, test one, test two.
1: Testing one, two, three.
0: Oh, you went up to three.
1: Yep.